Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now, I was considered to be a tomboy back then, which was a more appropriate term for future lesbian. <laughs> As my mom would say, it's a phase. It, it is a phase. She is going to grow out of those umbros. I just know it. It is a phase. Turns out, it wasn't a phase. And Fortune Feimster is here to tell us all about it. It's The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. Today on the show, I am joined by the hilarious stand-up comedian and all-around wonderful person, Fortune Feimster. You may recognize Fortune from Last Comic Standing, Chelsea Lately, or The Mindy Project. But today marks a huge milestone in her comedy career. That's because her first ever hour-long stand-up special is now streaming on Netflix. It's called Sweet and Salty and contains some of the most personal material she's ever performed about growing up as a, quote, tomboy in a small North Carolina town and eventually coming out of the closet to the world and to herself when she moved to L.A. after college. If you like this podcast, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. Maybe you enjoyed last week's episode with Michael Schur and just want to tell me how great it was. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash laugh to rate this podcast wherever you listen. All right, here's me with Fortune Feimster. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, congrats. It's your first uh, hour-long special, right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done two half hours, and this was my first full hour. So I've been, when I got asked to do the half hour for Netflix... I was prepping to hopefully do an hour mm-hmm. and uh, they said, do you want to do this half hour? And I had not had my full hour set together. And yeah. you think, well, why not just take what's, a, you know, they're offering it to me because it's getting harder and harder to sell an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was glad I did that, but it, it then it sort of prolonged the plan to do the hour. Right. That was the standups. Yeah. The standups. Yeah. So we've, on this show, we've had, I think you're the fourth out of six of that first oh, season of the stand-ups okay. that we've had. So I'm really working my way through the <laughs> yes. through the lineup. Um, I think we have, uh, I had Nate Bargatze, uh-huh. Dion Cole, Dan Soder. Yep. And now you. You got to so get have, Nikki Glaser yeah. and Beth Stelling. Yeah, it's it quite a group. It's a good group. Yeah, that came out in uh, 2017. Yeah. yeah. And then they did a season two. But I'm really excited to have the hour because it's the first time. I don't, I think it's the first time I've ever put out anything that's like just me. Yeah. You know, I've been a part of the, the comedy central half hour was a bunch of us. Mm -hmm. The Netflix thing was six of us. I've been on a lot of TV shows in the ensemble, uh, situation. And so this, I feel so personal and it is very personal, Mm -hmm. the special. I mean, I got to see it and I just really loved, uh, the, the whole hour. I think it's it's really great, but it is very 
personal material it's inter- it's sort of introducing yourself mm-hmm. to the world in some ways and telling your your personal story so was that yeah. something that you really thought about when you when you set out to do it I did not know I I've never done a set like this before where it's literally like I was born <laughs> and then here's my youth here's my uh high school college I I never set out to tell a tell in that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. it just uh once it, I started writing these jokes and the, it, they sort of found this weird uh, linear timeline on its own because I go, oh, well, that technically happened here and then that led to this and that led to this. And then once uh, I had sold the hour, I was like, oh, there's a narrative, there's a story here. Mm -hmm. And it sort of just morphed its way into this biography in a weird way. Yeah, and you taped it in Charlotte, which Mm -hmm. is uh, near your your hometown, right? Yeah, I'm from a tiny town, like 30 minutes from Charlotte Mm -hmm. in Belmont. And, uh, I just, I've, because the special is so autobiographical, I mean, every story you hear is it's truth. It all happened. Um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's all the legitimate story and there's no like fabricating for Mm -hmm. comedy. And, uh, I just thought, God, to do a set like this anywhere else would seem weird. Mm -hmm. And, And so I was telling these jokes in front of you know people who were on the swim team with yeah. me when i was 10 years old a lot of know? people from your from your childhood came out and yeah to see it a lot of people from my childhood a lot of a lot of like family friends a lot of people from college so everyone you know knew different parts of my journey and and so they could be like yeah that happened i was there mm-hmm. this you know i saw her going through this thing and and that was kind of neat. It was a little stressful filming back home. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> which you don't really account for when you're, like, making this plan. Because, uh, you know, in, in that area, they don't film a lot of TV. So, you know, a lot of people hadn't been to a, a taping before. Mm-hmm. And they were just so excited for me, which I genuinely really, really appreciate But the, you know, in TV production, things oftentimes don't start on time or, you know, everything takes a little longer than you think it's going to. Yeah. So, you know, they're they're there to see a live show like, hey, it says Mm -hmm. seven. Let's go. You know, and uh, so it starts a little late. So everyone's uh, in the meantime is drinking. Oh, well, that helps. In the lobby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is great. But by the time they get in for the show, everyone was sloshed. Really, and so people were just like, <laughs> they were so pumped that they were like yelling <laughs> out at me the entire show, or like, uh, you know, one woman was like sitting in the balcony, and uh, I would tell a joke, and she'd be like, "Yep, that's right," mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I kind of, you know, the first one happens, and then I tell another joke. She goes, "Yep, that happened to me too," and I finally <laughs> was like, "Ma'am, I really appreciate the enthusiasm." but we're taping this that is hilarious did you have to start <laughs> over and do something like I clean had, some things up yeah i kind of had to reset myself at times <laughs> so like figuring out that timing like you just when you set out to film a special you just think oh i'm just gonna do a show mm-hmm. you don't really think that you're having to like sort of self-produce while yeah. you're on stage mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. was an interesting situation yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and you had family there as well. So yeah. who, who from your family was there? Was that stressful to do? You, do you often perform for your for your I, family? I or? don't get to a lot. I like. I don't ever mind when they're there mm. um, because uh, this one was funny to do in front of them because it you know some stories involve my mom or mm. my brothers. Uh, uh, one of my brothers was there and his wife and my parents and mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, it's funny cause you're, you're in that work. You're basically, you're at work. Mm-hmm. I'm at work. Yeah. And so in between shows, I'm getting notes. I'm trying to like, mm-hmm. you know, what worked, what didn't work. And they're just like, let's hang out. You know, here's, <laughs> remember cousin Sue? They're like bringing the, the extended family down and you know her, you know, you're yeah. just like, hi. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this special, towards the beginning, um, you describe yourself as a tomboy, which at, mm-hmm. which you didn't realize at the time meant future lesbian. Yes. Um, so and that that becomes a really big theme of the the special is sort of you're you know discovering yourself and mm-hmm. um, you know eventually coming out, which you didn't do until you after college after yeah. you moved to L.A. So can you just talk a little bit about you know setting that up in the special mm-hmm. and and why you wanted to make that you know a big a big part of it? Yeah. Well, I think for me, the part of my journey was that I didn't come out till I was 25, mm-hmm. 26, something, sometime around then. And you can look back to <laughs> plenty of periods in your life where you go, oh, okay. Yeah. Obviously, I was this all along. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't, I just didn't know. And so I kind of want to set up that these childhood stories that, you know, I w- it wasn't like being gay dictated these stories or how I I was, it was just, oh, that was always a part of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, I talk about, you know, being on the swim team and, uh, having to be a debutante at one point mm-hmm. and clearly, you know, like fish out of water type yeah. situation. So I was sort of trying to fit who I thought maybe, maybe I'm a swimmer, maybe I'm this. So you kind of try different things on until you find out what fits. And so I wanted to take people through that journey of what that childhood looks like going in and then going into college. I went to a women's college where you think, how does she not know (laughs) even at a women's college that she's gay? And I'm like, well, here's here's how, you know, this is this is that environment at the time. And there was no representation. There was no, um, you know, seeing yourself out there in the world and. And so here's me trying to fit in that world. And uh, and then I moved to L.A. And then I start to these this thing starts to bubble up mm-hmm. inside of me. That's always been there. But it to the point where I can't really deny it anymore. And then my coming out story that's a part of the special is that I realize I'm gay via watching a Lifetime mm-hmm. movie, yeah. which is the last place <laughs> you think that you'll come to a huge life realization and on this particular day it was not one of those murder mysteries it was a movie called the truth about jane and i don't want to bore you straighties with the (laughs) plot of this movie but basically a young girl in high school realizes that she is a lesbian and her mom she's like boo and then (laughs) by the end of the movie her mom is like Yay! And that's the movie. So I'm sitting there and I'm and all of this like hits me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. And I say out loud for the first time in my entire life, I go, oh my god, I'm gay. <laughs> Yeah, the stuff about 
representation in pop culture I found really interesting just because you know it's not that long ago mm-hmm. but it has but things have changed a lot so yeah. so I mean what was the what was the pop culture landscape for like like for you then compared to to what you see now and including what you've become a part of it yeah it was very different um I mean growing up you just didn't have the shows that we have now mm-hmm. like I talk about Will and Grace you know things like that YouTube I think alone yeah has made the most difference with representation because you have these gay young gay people the Hannah Hearts of the world you know mm-hmm. people that have uh had platforms of like showing people that they're gay and you know, Todrick Hall they're they're and so these young people are coming up with these, these are celebrities to them. They're mm-hmm. huge icons to these young kids. And the fact that these people are gay, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. great. They're gay. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And I think if I'd had a platform like that to watch when I was young, where you just see people like you, you're like, oh, I, I relate to what that girl's saying. I relate to these, you know, crushes that I can't really understand what it means Mm -hmm. i think maybe i would probably have come out sooner only because you're once you're a mirror is being held up to you Mm -hmm. you can kind of see yourself better so when i was coming up i I mean i just watch you know the the sitcoms we all watch Mm -hmm. you know and uh they usually maybe occasionally there was like a gay man yeah they didn't really talk about it Mm -hmm. that he you know who his partner was I mean, Ellen was on her sitcom, yeah, and she came out, and then she lost the, her job. Yeah, we're talking the you know the morning after the Golden Globes, she just got this big mm-hmm. uh, Carol Burnett Lifetime Achievement Award, and I found that you know incredibly moving. The uh, speech yeah. by Kate McKinnon uh, introducing yeah. her and then talking about how what the effect it had on her. Yeah, but yeah, it's a there's a is a double-edged sword with Ellen because you mm-hmm. saw it was representation, but you also saw the, the, the backlash. Yeah. What she suffered because of, you know, her, her braveness coming out. Yeah. And I think Kate and I are around the same age. So we have a very similar experience in that, you mm-hmm. know, when the, uh, I remember Rosie had a talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rosie I just O'Donnell, remember yeah. her talking about how much she loved Tom Cruise. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. She wasn't really uh, given any hints. Uh, yeah. In that sense. So it was a different time. And, um, and, so then so I'm, it was a multitude of things for me it was not only growing up in a small town where it just you didn't really see out gay people mm-hmm. but it was also the lack of representation and so once ellen came out and rosie came out all these other actors comedians came out wanda sykes you know then you start seeing it as part of the culture you start seeing it represented it doesn't seem like this scary thing as much anymore and because those people came out when they did open those doors some of them you know got backlash for it um it allowed someone like me to come a couple you know uh decade two or two later Mm -hmm. i guess too late two decades later and uh have it be a little bit easier Mm -hmm. you know i i i came out and last time I stand, it was my first TV gig. Mm-hmm. And there was no question of, you know, well, am I going to say I'm gay or not? I was just like, this is who I am. Why would I not yeah. say it? But there was a part of me in 2010 that thought, oh, my God, what, you know, if I'm coming out of the gate talking about being gay, like, is that going to hurt me? Yeah. 
But then you, <laughs> as my fiance points out now, I was like, it's not like I could hide being gay. Yeah. It's very much a part of <laughs> yeah. who I am. But it is, I mean, it is a decision whether to put that in your material or not. Did you, yeah. was that part of your material in Last Comic yeah. Standing? Yeah, but one of my first jokes that people really resonated with uh, came from a very, another real deep, uh, vulnerable place and in that I, I would talk about um, how that being in the closet, I was so, you know, you get kind of intense mm-hmm. about friendships. And uh, my mom would say, you know, I don't understand why you get so upset when your friend Michelle goes out on a date with a guy. <laughs> and I was like, because she's my best friend. <laughs> and people, it, you know, it was the joke that people really latched on to because I was putting into words the that angst mm-hmm. that you feel as a closeted gay person yeah. when you're young or you're just like so every friendship with a woman was just mm-hmm. like why is that guy coming around to <laughs> take her on a date we're supposed to go to Chili's yeah and if you had for some reason decided to hide that part of yourself you wouldn't have had that sort of personal yeah. you know, comedic take on it yeah um, so I think it I think it resonates with people in that, you know, we all have that thing. As you get older, you gain so much more self-awareness where Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, that's why I acted that way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Before Fortune became a comedian, she spent seven years working the red carpet as an entertainment journalist. How that experience affected her career in unexpected ways. Up next on The Last Laugh. If you're a fan of this podcast, you are also going to love Netflix's Sirius XM show, What a Joke with Papa and Fortune. First of all, it's hosted by my guest on today's podcast, Fortune Feimster, along with another hilarious stand-up comedian, Tom Papa. And it features great interviews with comics like Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano, and previous Last Laugh guests, including Jim Gaffigan, Jeff Garland, Andrea Savage, and so many others. What a Joke with Papa and Fortune airs live 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific, Monday through Thursday on Sirius XM Channel 93. Netflix is a joke radio. So I want to go back a little bit to before uh, Last Comic Standing um, mm-hmm. to when you first came out to L.A. Yeah. So you came out to L.A. to be um, a personal assistant. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I did. So ca- how did that happen? So I was the um, I was the student speaker at my I went to a small women's college, like I said, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, they hired a commencement speaker from L.A. to mm-hmm. um, to speak at our graduation. Emily Proctor's her name uh, from uh, CSI Miami. Mm-hmm. And um, she's she was from Raleigh, but living in L.A. and had just got had just booked that job. And so our, the theater teacher at our school had gotten in touch with her. And when she came home to visit her family, she did like a acting course or something. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was there for that. Um, and then the school by that, um, introduction ended up hiring her or not hiring, whatever, asking her mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. And, and because I was the student speaker, she and I had some time together and we hit it off and found we had a, a lot in common and, you know, she just said this, one of those things I think people say uh, at the end of the day, where it's like, hey, if you ever need anything, <laughs> let me know. Yeah. And you, 
as a 21 year old i was thinking oh thank you you know yeah. i don't know what i would need from an actress in la but that's really nice and at this point you had you been doing any theater i've any... been doing theater yeah. at the at the college but i yeah. was not great at it i had terrible stage fright you didn't have it in your head that you were going to be no. a, an actor in, in la or anything i'd always love comedy mm. i grew up on snl i was always doing the memorizing the sketches mm. and then sort of regurgitating them to my like tennis team you know yeah and i remember i went to one uh comedy sports show and mm. like th- thought it was amazing and i wanted to do improv but i couldn't afford the classes mm. and at my college we were doing theater but it was very obscure very modern things yeah and i'm as you can see not <laughs> that type of actor you weren't feeling it no i was like when are we doing steel magnolias <laughs> what's with all this serious stuff yeah and so there was never there, they didn't do one comedy while i was mm-hmm. there and so i never it never took with me and uh so i would have been the last person anyone thought yeah would be moving to la or anything so you you were doing that for a bit and then i know you ended up as a sort of entertainment uh journalist which is fascinating to me because <laughs> yeah. that's that's what i do yeah um and so so i'm i'm very curious about your experience doing that and I know you, you did red carpets which mm-hmm. i've had some red carpet uh some, experience some and, nightmares <laughs> and it's uh yeah it's the absolute worst yeah. Um, and I don't do it anymore because of that. Right. Uh, but so what was your you kind of got thrown into that. Right. And didn't I have did. didn't have a lot of experience uh, with celebrities <laughs> and all that. So nah. what was your how did how did that kind of happen? And then what was your feelings about it at the beginning? So when I moved, I moved to work for her. I was like 23. And um, she was like, I don't have a ton of stuff for you to do. I basically was like a glorified like cat sitter and like grocery store food buyer and mm-hmm. dry cleaning yeah. picker upper yeah. it's kind of your thing Cause she mm-hmm. those uh our procedural shows they work like 70 hours a week yeah it's insane so i like she was working all the time and she basically was like listen you know i only have so much work for you to do so you might want to get a part-time gig mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay <laughs> i don't know what yeah. i would do. i mean <laughs> I, don't even, I mean i don't even know la i'm using a thomas guide at the time yeah. i don't know where anything is and her neighbor uh wrote for the uh, la daily news and mm. the new york daily news doing like those you know little like 250 word pieces mm. on events and stuff and she was like hey i heard um c- because of my graduation speech she said i heard that you're a really good writer uh, you know, Emily told me, mm-hmm. and would you want to like cover uh, movie premieres mm-hmm. and and things like that and award show? I'm like, uh, I guess you it know, sounds like, pretty glamorous yeah, when you hear about it for the first I mean, time, right? I'm 23, <laughs> thinking like I've never been to a movie premiere. Yeah. I'd like to meet Tom Hanks mm-hmm. or whoever. And uh, so I just kind of like was sort of randomly handed this entertainment journalism job mm-hmm. based on a speech I wrote for my college graduation and i started covering these events <laughs> where i was doing i mean that's all i did was red carpets yeah. and or go to those like hollywood parties where mm-hmm. they're like at a, it's at a boutique on sunset and you're gonna yeah. interview paris hilton yeah and uh so i did that for her for about a year and while i was doing that this other syndicated newspaper column was like reached out to that woman who hired me saying we're looking for a part-time employee. Do you have anybody? She goes, well, this girl's writing for me. Mm-hmm. She's really good. 
I ended up writing for them, and then I sucked at being a personal assistant <laughs> so bad uh, that that job came to an end, uh, and I ended up becoming a full-time journalist for those people that hi- had hired me part-time. Yeah. Do you have any um, particularly uh, memorable red carpet experiences <laughs> that you can <laughs> that you can share? So I ended up being a jur- I ended up being a full time entertainment journalist mm. for seven years. It was like my day job yeah. while I was pursuing comedy. Um, God, I went to every event known to man. I went to Oscars, Grammys, Emmys, every movie premiere, every uh, you know pre party, all the things. I'm trying to think like. <laughs> I remember I was at doing the Lord of the Ring, one of the Lord of the Rings premieres, and uh, you know every journalist, wow, like how many unique questions are there going to yeah. be on a red carpet? Yeah, everyone's getting the same question. You got a yeah. tiny amount of time with this. If person. you can even get them, if to you come can over even you, get yeah. that, yeah, because I did notice, uh, I did find out very early on that with a lot of these actors and celebrities, uh, you would see them if there was a video, uh, uh, like a, a video camera, yeah. they would be like what's up yeah they would be so animated oh my god yeah. this project was crazy <laughs> and then they would get to the, the journalist print, yeah, with the, the little, little recorder device recorder, and they're yeah. like yeah it was fun yeah uh, it was a good time <laughs> so i remember being like the, i mean the content yeah. still going out there yeah. you know and um you could have started bringing your own video camera yeah, yeah. so i learned a lot about the relationship with the press and the mm. celebrity and stuff which was interesting to take in and yeah have you run into people i mean you must that you, i have that i run into a publicist yeah who go oh my god i've been following your career since <laughs> your you know days as a journalist because yeah. i would say to the, I, you'd kind of get to know these publicists yeah, yeah. and i would be like oh i'm at the groundlings doing improv they're like that's cute yeah. I go, yeah, but, you know, I do stand-up. Okay, good yeah. for you. They're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now they're like, oh, my God, you yeah. you did it. Yeah. And, now uh, you, like, have a publicist. and Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, like, just saw a guy at the Lionsgate thing who worked for, like, New Line, and mm-hmm. he's like, hey, oh, my God, you yeah. know, it's so crazy. What about celebrities so, who you, who you Celebrities don't remember, only because yeah. they no, I, interview I mean, a thousand. I wouldn't think that they would, but yeah. it'd be, <laughs> it'd be interview- funny to... To run into people that you once were just interviewing and yeah. have no idea who you are. Well, like I went to Sarah Sarah Silverman's set. She had that Comedy Central yeah, show, yeah. and I interviewed her and Steve Aggie, all these comics. And, th- you know, they would have no way to know me. Mm-hmm. I was just starting out at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. But, like, I later showed her, like, hey, look at yeah, this picture this of out. us. She's like, oh, my God, that's so crazy. Um, but, yeah, it was funny. Like, uh, one of the more memorable movie premieres is that I went to the Lord of the Rings, whatever number it was. Mm. And uh, one of the – I do remember interviewing Serene McKellen, who was mm. amazing. Yeah. And I asked Lawrence Fishburne something. He was there. Support, I don't know. If, I don't think he was in those movies. No. I think he was supporting yeah. somebody. And I asked him something, and he <laughs> looked at me and was like, that is the dumbest question <laughs> And I was like, kind of shocked. I was like, oh, oh that hurts. And then he walked on. He and I go, oh my god, like, whoa, that that was. I'm like, was it a dumb question yeah. or was he just not being nice? And so in my head, I was like, oh, maybe he's not nice. And then, cut to a couple of years, maybe two or three years later, I was in the Sunday Company at the Groundlings. Mm-hmm. He came to see a show randomly yeah and was so lovely of course he would not remember yeah. me from that tiny moment he was so lovely so nice 
in like after the show and uh, could not have been lovelier so you just never know like, so he's just mean to journalists is what you're saying <laughs> yes, or, or i really just asked a, a really a dumb, dumb question, question. Or he was in a bad mood yeah so yeah. those things are tough though stuff like that's really funny yeah mc hammer was a difficult interview <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine he i was just like do you not want to be in the newspaper okay yeah, yeah um but then you know you have so many um i like a highlight for me was uh i went to the re-premiere of mary poppins mm. and i got to interview julie andrews who i love yeah and then i watched uh her and dick van dyke watching themselves yeah in the mary in poppins the movie. Yeah. movie that was That's pretty cool. special that is cool um, I'm curious if it if this experience gives you a different perspective on the media and mm-hmm. on. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As compared to... A lot of comedians who I've talked to on this show yeah. who are very skeptical of the media. Really? Very like, you know, they're always taking things out of context. Mm-hmm. It's all clickbait. They're out to get us. Yeah. You know, so having had that experience and now being a comedian and with some overlap, <laughs> I'm curious what how that has sort of affected your, your thoughts about all those kinds of issues. Well, no one really cares enough about what I'm saying for it to be clickbait. <laughs> well, I we mean, do have you, a Netflix special coming yes, out, so that could change. I could. Um, I I guess for me, I having been on the other end of it, I see the mutual beneficial mm-hmm. relationship between yeah. the two. Whereas I think some actors or comedians might see it as more of like, oh, I've got to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And they treat, so when they come into a thing, they're kind of already not wanting to be there. They got their guard up. So maybe things are said that they're, you know, that that would be come off a certain way because mm-hmm. their attitude towards it is not on the more positive side. Having been a journalist for seven years, I'm like, journalists need celebrities and actors and comedians and musicians as much as we need them. Mm-hmm. They have they have a job to do, and we have a job that we want to promote. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a transactional for hundred yeah. percent. So no one is more important in the transaction. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We're both right. wanting something out yeah. of it. So I think that might be a unique uh, perspective <laughs> well, for a comedian because I'm <laughs> yeah. I was did it for. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. And you're kind of doing it still because you have the the um, yeah. serious show, uh, What a Joke with Tom Papa, and mm-hmm. you interview comedians on that show, right? Yeah. So it's that career as a journalist has come around in ways I never ever would have imagined I mean for me I was like I'm just paying the bills and mm-hmm. it's a cool job 
to get to do while I'm trying to do the thing I really mm. want to do, which is be a comedian. Um, but when I I got uh, the interview to for Chelsea lately, it was as a writer first. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the interview thinking, like, I'm at such a disadvantage because I've never written on a TV show. Mm-hmm. And I was only maybe three years into stand-up when mm-hmm. I got that job. And so I thought, God, there's no way they're going to hire me. I have nothing to offer <laughs> offer them <laughs> except for my raw comedy yeah. uh, skills that I had acquired at, through the growlings up, up until that point. But then it occurred to me, <laughs> mid-interview, I go, oh, my God. Like, it like it was a weird light bulb yeah. moment where I go, oh, my God. I, oh, and I was I was an entertainment yeah. journalist for seven years. I have been writing for I seven years. I have been years. writing for seven years. And it's all pop culture, celebrity, mm. entertainment based. So literally any person that comes through this uh, talk show, I will know think plenty of background mm-hmm. yeah. on them. I mean, that was my whole Do you think that job. helped you get hired there? I think ultimately what helped is that <laughs> Chelsea, having learned, know, knowing what I know now is she doesn't, at the time she didn't like meetings. Mm. And uh I the producers ha- gave me a call back or whatever, and I think they had like um, maybe six people they were gonna see for the meeting with Chelsea for her to w- whittle it down mm-hmm. to a, a person that she wanted to hire. I happened to be the first interview of the day, mm. and I think Chelsea she she likes chubby people, <laughs> and she likes people that are different. And yeah. I definitely was different. Mm-hmm. No one was putting me on TV at you the time. Stood out. I stood out, which at the time was a negative thing. Mm-hmm. I had tested twice for SNL, and I just was too different mm. for so many people. I cannot tell you how many people would be like, "We like her, but we don't know what to do with her." Mm. And to Chelsea, that is a big bonus mm, yeah and uh, she stopped my interview mid-interview and goes okay thanks for coming and i thought <laughs> you thought that was, I, it? that was it i'd failed oh, i'm not ha- like and i got hired and what i know now is thankfully i was the first meeting and she liked me yeah so, and she can be pretty blunt uh, yeah in either direction yeah so. if she <laughs> hadn't liked me she just would have ended it yeah and been like when's the next meeting mm-hmm. But because she was like, "Oh, this will do." Yeah, I don't want to do she another didn't need meeting. To hear anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'd I had seen her do that with somebody else. I won't say who. Uh, on her sitcom, she didn't want to drive back over the hill to do a bunch of more auditions. She goes, mm-hmm. "Just give it to so and so," and I go, "Oh my god, that's so crazy!" <laughs> you know. And uh, so it's it. Yeah, I think it was part part being right for the job and part luck. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so you mentioned SNL, you know, you you tested there twice and that probably came out of being at the Groundlings, mm-hmm. right? That's sort of how you got there. Sort yes, sort of. Yeah. Uh the first interview came uh, interview audition um I was I had been doing the Groundlings and I was in advance, so it wasn't to the point where they actually the scouts come out and see mm. you. Uh, I never would have guessed that this would have been an end to SNL in a million years, but someone I grew up with in my tiny town of 5,000 people uh, was sorority sisters and good friends with Lindsay Shookus, who's still a producer yeah. at SNL. And she, you know, she said to Lindsay, she goes, I have this friend who's a comedian. 
if she makes an audition tape, will you watch it? <laughs> and uh, Lindsay, you know, I'm sure gets that a million times. So she said, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So my friend tells me this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Usually you have to be asked. Like, uh, yes. they're not just accepting tapes no. from people. Yeah. And I go, yeah. Okay. She's going to, sure. Yeah. She's going to watch my tape. She goes, no, I, she's going to watch it. Just make a tape. So I put together a tape. I think of me in like my kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, against a white wall. Do you remember I, what you did? Uh, like, uh, I think it was like Richard Simmons and Susan Boyle and then some random characters that I had created on my own. And, uh, I submitted this tape via who she told me where to send it. And a couple months went by and I didn't even think anything about it. And I had my first advance show at the Groundlings. And the next day I get a phone call from Lindsay she goes, hey, it, you know, it's Lindsay from Saturday Night Live. It's that call yeah, that you dream like, of your shit, whole yeah. life. And I go, what? She goes, we watched your tape. I've been wanting to call you for weeks, but I finally got the green light, and uh, we want your audition for SNL. Uh, catches, you have to be on a plane tonight, oh. um, the red eye, and you're going to audition tomorrow morning. And I go, what? And so do everyone- you think they do that just to, like, throw you i, mean, I really I, don't know what that was because like, there's no like real good reason why they need to do it like that i don't know i think what happened was she and marcy klein really liked my tape mm-hmm. and really wanted me to come in and i think lauren was the mm-hmm. he wasn't sure he or... wasn't sure and i was pretty green because yeah. you know i hadn't even gone through the sunday company yet and this is um, before last comic standing yeah this was two, 2009 you had never been on tv never right? been on tv yeah so i was unknown unknown mm-hmm. and um and so I, I think a lot of pe- a lot of people thought SNL had come to our advance show, mm. and uh, and they didn't know it yeah, came from this totally crazy tape. Yeah. And so I I auditioned, but in a way it was, it was a blessing because I was so like shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Did you you had to come up with new stuff, or could, did you do the I same? Do, I did like half and half. Yeah. But I my that audition I think was better than my second audition because I didn't have time mm. to overthink it. Yeah, and then um, or the one when you flew out was better than the tape, or well, uh, why well, they saw the tape and then I mm-hmm. flew out yeah. two different summers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, and uh, so that first summer's audition, I think, was a better audition. Mm. But I had I auditioned two years later, I was a whole, I was a much different performer mm-hmm. because I gained a year and a half of the Sunday Company, where yeah. it is a training ground for SNL. Yeah. But I got the the auditions early on yeah it's almost like yeah you got it too early a little bit of a blessing and a curse yeah um and then they so i didn't get that first round which is kind of common a lot of people Mm -hmm. test two or three times like taron killam my we tested together two of the times he got it on his third one Mm. so then they came that that next round they watched us all perform live and then brought us back the next summer. So I tested, tw- I flew out a second time. Mm-hmm. And um, Marcy Klein was like, oh my God, I'm so glad Lauren got to see you perform live. He finally said he saw what the rest of us see. <laughs> but my audition was just okay that yeah. second time. And ultimately I didn't get it. And then I got Chelsea like six months later. So I don't know if that would have continued or mm-hmm. if that was never going to happen. Yeah. Was it, I mean, was it very disappointing in the moment, though, to, yeah, to not get it? and for sure, because I think that for a lot of comics, that was kind of the end-all, be-all, mm-hmm. was SNL. It was such a part of our childhood, and, mm-hmm. and you know, at, at that point, when you would get on, I mean, SNL back in the day would make people stars 
overnight. Yeah. It's not quite the same the same now because yeah, there's so much different. content out mm-hmm. there. More shows, more yeah. more opportunities. Yeah. And so at the time though I had no job. I mean, I mm-hmm. was like still doing the entertainment journalism, but I was broke because I, I didn't pay well. Mm-hmm. And um and I I had not been on TV. So you th- you think in your head, like, that's my only opportunity. Right. This is the only shot I'm going to get. And once you get the no, they don't actually tell you no. You just, you just read don't hear in the anything. paper <laughs> who, got, yeah. who got hired that season. Um, you The dream just has to shift. You mm-hmm. just have to have a new dream. So how did you approach that? I mean, did you kind of double down on stand-up or did you... Uh, you, you you ended up getting the well, writing job. But. That's another funny thing is I didn't even know I could do stand up at my audition. Mm. I I heard like you know months like oh so and so did stand up at there. I go what? Because yeah, I, I just heard uh, Dan Soder who was on this show but uh-huh. on another podcast talking about that and he did all these characters. He's a yeah. stand up and he goes and he was auditioning with Pete Davidson uh-huh. who just did a stand up. Had I, I <laughs> yeah. again who knows like my at the time I think my stand up would have been stronger. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that would have been an that that could yeah. have been an option. Yeah. Everyone uh, kind of gets different information. Yeah, and different you get signals you, and you get told you need to bring in three original characters and three impressions, mm-hmm. got, and you only have five minutes. Yeah, so you think I got to cram all these characters? Had I known I could do stand up, because you bring your A game the mm-hmm. first audition. Yeah, the second one you're they want all new stuff. You're like I gave you my A stuff, yeah. so if I had known I could now do stand up too, mm-hmm. it would have been. A, a, yeah, but it wasn't. What I have to come back to is it wasn't meant to be for right. me. Yeah. It wasn't. And who knows, like, maybe I would have been miserable on the show or in New York. Mm-hmm. It, for whatever reason, it wasn't yeah. supposed to happen There's also for a pretty me. great list of people who auditioned for SNL and didn't get it. So <laughs> yeah. it's, good, it's good company, too. Yeah. So you just, you know, I got a lot of, I mean, I still get lots of no's. That's just part of the business is constant <laughs> no's. Mm-hmm. And so what you have to do is uh, it, you sort of have to use them as motivation to find whatever the where the yes is, you know. And mm-hmm. so it forces you to get better at your thing. Yeah. It forced me to like hunker down at the Groundlings and become a better sketch performer. Forced me to do better at stand up so that whatever the new dream is, the new dream then becomes, okay, well, I just want to get hired. I just want a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, you make it to the point where, okay, what can I, how can I make myself better to the point that the next opportunity, they don't want to say no to me. Mm-hmm. And the next opportunity was Chelsea. And I ended up having a really great four years there. I was a writer for three of those on the round table for four. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had, a, I got to be in LA, which I really love. I'm not really a New York gal. I like the city, but I just don't know that I would have thrived there. And uh, I got to do all these, uh, you know, I got to really hone in on my acting more. Yeah. As a result. And um, and I've been working steady ever since, yeah. Chelsea. Coming up, Fortune and I talk about the time I got to see her play Ann Coulter live when the right-wing firebrand canceled on Chelsea Handler at the last minute. I love the uh, some of the characters that you played on the most recent uh, the Chelsea's Netflix oh, yeah. show, <laughs> which I actually I was so this is kind of funny, but I the the show that she did that was supposed to have Ann Coulter as a guest, yeah. uh-huh. I was there in oh, the really? audience because oh, I was there 
to cover it because right. of course yeah, my editor word got, said word got out and Coulter's going to be on the show yeah. you should go uh mm-hmm. see what see what happens because it was <laughs> i think it would have been pretty exciting stuff i think so too yeah instead she canceled at the she last canceled, minute and yeah. You appeared as, uh, I believe, Ann Coulter's body double was how you were introduced. I think she said I was Ann Coulter. I'd love to talk about uh, your thoughts on women's like reproductive rights or voting, women's rights to vote. Yeah, I would love to talk to you about women. Hold on. Uh, these are my thoughts on women. I like to write down what I have to say about women. Uh, it would be a much better country if women did not vote. That is simply a fact. You heard me. Oh, oh, deal with it. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it would have been an interesting conversation between the two. I wish that she had not canceled. But it was pretty fun what you guys ended up pulling off. I was like, I don't even remember. I was like at a Starbucks and Chelsea texts me like, hey, she didn't tell me what. She goes, someone canceled. Can you be here in like an hour? And I'm like, what? Okay. And I happened to not be working that day because I was doing Mindy Project, I think, at the time. Yeah. And uh, I got down there because she loved to put me in outfits. Mm-hmm. You played Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. She you liked... played uh, Ivanka Trump. You got, you got all the, <laughs> yeah, all the political. People, uh... Yeah. Like, I mean, like, who do I really? I don't look like any of these people. <laughs> and I'm uh, much larger than all of them. But she just thinks it's hilarious to have me be. Mm-hmm whoever and yeah. be and, and try to own it so she's like you're gonna play a fuck i mean um and coulter and i'm like what <laughs> I don't, and what she goes but that's the funny yeah. part that was kind of the you know to be like all right well then this is who's gonna play you mm-hmm. if you're not gonna be here yeah so <laughs> i just went out there and in, in a wig I, I think i was still in my jeans and t-shirt <laughs> and i read from her crazy book yeah um, and then that led to then doing Ivanka and then that led to Sarah Huckabee, which people, that one really resonated with people because of the accent. My mm-hmm. accent was yeah. very similar to hers and I played her, very, we were kind of the first people that did the impressions of, uh, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Then SNL started like yeah. a little bit after that, but I played her very intense. Mm-hmm. SNL played her like more like you know the like what's happening yeah i played her more of a you know Very like ser- i would try to put chelsea kinda, yeah. in her place yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so that was fine it was fun while it lasted because it at the time things were a little lighter mm-hmm. and then she as sarah kind of became more complicit yeah in the the falsities whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it mm-hmm. whatever the word is lies yeah. lies <laughs> That it became a little more difficult mm. for me. Yeah. Um, and I am not a political comedian. Mm. I don't like to get political. Yeah. So for me, that was uh, an uncomfortable. I would do it for. Ch- I did it for Chelsea for la- for the fun of it. Yeah. But then once it became more than just the fun thing, it, that was hard for me. Did you get any odd feedback or you know? Um, I did at the very the very last thing we shot was something that they wrote. Again, I w- I'm so, I was so used on Chelsea lately to just sh- being like, hey, you're going to do this thing. You don't know what's written. Mm-hmm. You just put on a wig and do the thing. They were like, you're going you're gonna, to you know, come do this one last tutorial, this makeup thing. They wrote it. I didn't read it. <laughs> and it was uh, it was uh, it focused more on the physical appearance mm-hmm. of things. And This was Sarah Huckabee? Yeah. yeah. And people, 
people didn't like like it. I mean, some people loved it, but mm. ma- many people were like, yeah. oh, you're now making fun of someone's appearance, which I'm not a fan of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just kind of, you're like, ah, they asked me to do this character. Yeah. I play this character. I got to do what's do written. Yeah. And uh, I got like four days of hate mail hate mail Oof. and like death threats oh jeez and then you go this isn't fun yeah like why and, and but it coincided with the end of the show so mm-hmm. it was coming to an end naturally anyway yeah. so you were kind of like okay this this yeah this time this it's is not, that's not who i am and it's yeah. not it's not you know it's mm. you didn't want to be like that's what you were known for no or, yeah. and i got i even got asked to play that I, I got asked to play her at several different like conventions and other things. And I said, no. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, that's not what I'm trying to put out in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, was doing a, a silly to me character, even though it was based on a real person, uh, for Chelsea in a, in a fun thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah. then you move on to yeah. the next thing. Well, you've done lots of great stuff since then. I want to, I want to kind of go through as we're getting towards the end, some of your other credits that you've had over the last few years. And just, if there's a, story or memory okay. that, that pops out um we can talk about it uh so i think what uh the thing that probably most people know you from at this point is the mindy project mm-hmm. um where you had a you know major role for for several seasons yeah um so what was what was that experience like for you that experience was awesome that's where i finally got to sort of um prove myself as an actor and it was the f- first thing i got to do that was beyond just a couple spots here and there and uh, what had happened is I had sold my own sitcom with Tina Fey mm, yeah. and um, uh, Robert Carlock to ABC. We shot that pilot, and it was oh, it was like my baby. You this know? was based on your life. Based on my life. It was called Family Fortune. It was such an amazing experience uh, from start to finish. And Annie Potts played my mom. I played me. John Carroll Lynch was my dad. It was like a stellar group yeah. of people. And it didn't go, you know, you film these things and it went well. The show was funny, but they, it just didn't go. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever really know why. And um, but part of that experience was uh, it, it was a bunch of 30 rock writers mm-hmm. came to they all help each other out. Yeah. And um, they came because I co-wrote it with Matt Hubbard, who was a 30 rock writer. And so they did a bunch of punch ups. And one of the writers, Lang Fisher, wrote on the Mindy Project yeah. now. And she. Uh, said to Mindy, like, you gotta, you know, there was a guest star role. She's like, hey, you should check out uh, this girl, Fortune. She just did this pilot. She's really funny. So, again, this huge no that mm-hmm. really broke my heart yeah. uh, opened this other door yeah. that I never would have, I might not have gotten that up opportunity otherwise. So, she ended up hiring me for a three episode guest star. That led to a nine-episode guest star that then led to three seasons as a series regular. Yeah. So it was that's awesome. Wild. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, another uh, comedy dream uh, is you were a voice on The Simpsons. Yeah, that was, was really that, what was cool. that like? I mean, that was uh, that really was a dream come true. A dream that I didn't even know you don't even know you have because you think there's no way mm-hmm. I'm ever going to yeah. get to be a voice on The Simpsons. Um, but, uh, I was, I've been doing, um, bless the hearts. It's a Mm -hmm. new animated show on Fox and it's the same, uh, casting, uh, director and they have this character coming up who's Southern and he suggested them to them, uh, for me to do it. And so I had a call with the writer of the, uh, of the episode and, you know, I was just thinking that he was going to tell me some information about the character and then that. I would have to somehow audition for him mm-hmm. either on the phone or come yeah. in and 
He's like, all right, great. Well, we're excited. And I go, what? what, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just get to do this? And, yeah, they they were so nice. And, you know, you go in that booth and it's just like you it's so they're so casual about it because mm, they've been doing it they've for been doing 30 it for 30, something years yeah, yeah 30 years and you're just like oh my god your mind's blown at every corner and um yeah they give you a big box of simpson swag and, <laughs> uh and then what the cool part about this character that i got to play was that um i play patty's first girlfriend because mm, yeah. patty did technically date someone but they ended up being a man. Mm-hmm. So I am the technically the first girlfriend. And uh, so that was a big deal, Patty being Marge's sister. Yeah. Bring, and Bringing um, it back to representation. Yes, exactly. And then uh, I basically play a female Homer. <laughs> and the joke is that, you know, Patty hates Homer. Yeah. And now she's dating, dating Homer. a Homer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when they were like, you're kind of the female Homer, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Which I know they've had, a, I think they had a similar, like a character kind of be that mm-hmm. sort of type at some point. But just to get to be like, yeah. oh. Yeah, that's pretty you know, cool. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was cool. You also follow the pro cornhole tour? Sure do. I used to play on my daddy's farm. We'd toss bags all day, even when it was hotter than a two-dollar pistol. That is hot. Do you always speak in such colorful southernisms? <laughs> Does a mama possum skip church on Sundays? So this is how uh, we're going to end. I'm going to ask, this is a question I ask all the guests, who's the person that you've worked with that makes you laugh the hardest? Oh, man. Oh God! I have worked. I'll well, I'll tell you two different people because uh, they've been in in two different uh, situations. Well, I'll say Ike Barinholtz on mm, Mindy Project yeah. could always make me belly laugh. He mm-hmm. has so many stories, and he's always like commanding a room full of his tales and and crazy stories. Uh, at Chelsea lately, the writers' room as a whole, it was like Jen Kirkman, Sarah Colonna, Heather McDonald, Chris Franjola. Uh, we belly laughed every day. Like a laugh, I don't think I've experienced those kind of consistent, like hearty, yeah, all like laughs in my entire life. And it was the you know every job is stressful, but that that sort of thing was so special. Mm-hmm. And um, we could cry, like cry, laugh every day, and now and no one person sort of, yeah, uh, you know, stood out. It was everyone jumping on yeah. each other's it's like the bits, it's like bits, the collective bits. mind, uh, yeah, does it, yeah, yeah. Is there any uh, you know, day or moment from that writer's room that you can remember right now when you think when you think back to it? I mean, nothing specific, uh, because you know, we I think we. I did like 500 shows, yeah. you know. It's, a, it's, a blur. it's a, such a blur, but the it's more of a feeling mm-hmm. of just like uh I'll never have an experience like that again and I'll never laugh harder and and have such camaraderie with people cuz you, when you're with somebody all day every day and you're making they made a thousand shows. I mm-hmm. I was half of the 500 or 600 or something. Um, you just are like, this is so special. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was like, um, uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't think I'll ever be on a writing staff like that, you know, cause mm-hmm. now my goals are a little 
different. I'm yeah. trying to do more on camera stuff. Um, so I'm I'm glad I got to experience what that that was like making a show and just people weren't fans were paying attention, but like the industry wasn't. So we got to do whatever we wanted. <laughs> yeah. Some of it, most of it good, some of it bad. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh my god, like what were we thinking? And then, but at the end of the day, you're like just trying to make people laugh and. And then your goals change and mm. you're like, okay, now, you know, this was a really amazing thing. I got to fun thing I got to do. Now I want to sort of pivot into the more acting yeah. stand up stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming in and congrats yeah, on the special. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I hope people watch January 21st. Yeah. Today. 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 <laughs> Sweet and salty. It's called. Yeah. On Netflix. Yeah. Check it out. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks again to Fortune Feimster for being my guest on this week's show. I just love how laid back and easy to talk to she is. Fortune's new stand-up special, Sweet and Salty, is streaming now on Netflix. Definitely check that out if you haven't already. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're really into this podcast thing, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.